This is the Stories from 1916 podcast. Using first-hand accounts and archive material, we tell the less well-known stories of ordinary men and women who did extraordinary things during Ireland's revolutionary period. John Austin was a postal worker in the County Meath village of Ashburn in 1916. This peaceful village saw the culmination of a relatively successful week for the volunteers of the 5th Fingal Battalion. They had been engaging in skirmishes and attacks that assisted the rising in Dublin by disrupting the flow of troops and supplies to the city centre. On the Friday morning of the rising, they marched into Ashburn. Austin was a witness of the ensuing battle. On Friday morning, some extra police arrived from Navan, Dunboyne and Slane to reinforce the garrison. At about 10.30 that morning, I was standing at the barracks, talking to the police. Looking up towards the cross of the Rath, I saw some of the rebels arriving there in bicycles with guns on their shoulders. I said to Constable Tully that the rebels were coming. The police came out and put a barricade across the main road. This consisted of a ladder resting on two boxes. This would not stop anything except a motor car or a cyclist. Constable Roach, who had come from Dunboyne, came out of the barracks and proceeded towards the cross where the rebels were and started cutting the pole carrying the telephone wires with a saw. The rebels told him to stop and he took his rifle from his shoulder, fired a shot in the air and made off towards Rathout. He got under the bed in Burns' house in Cookstown, some distance over the road. Some of the rebels followed him and fired at him. They pulled him from under the bed and made him a prisoner. A few minutes later, Tom Ash came walking down the road and went to the barracks and asked the police to surrender. I knew Ash from seeing him in charge of the Lusk Pipers band formerly. The police refused to surrender. Ash went back to his men, got them under cover and the battle began in earnest. The Fingal volunteers were engaging in spontaneous attacks, appearing out of the countryside for an engagement with British forces before disappearing again. This is an example of guerrilla warfare, which became the normal method of operation for Republicans during the War of Independence. Second in command for the Fingal Battalion was Richard Mulcahy, who would go on to be the Chief of Staff of the IRA, and along with Michael Collins was responsible for directing military operations during the war. It is clear to see the origins of the guerrilla tactics of the War of Independence in the Battle of Ashburn, which was the only truly successful rebel engagement of the Rising. During the time the fight was in progress, I was on Limekiln Hill, a small elevation near the village, and from which you had a good view of the road where the fighting was taking place. We could see the police reinforcements arriving, getting out of their cars and taking cover on the sides of the road. The leading cars drove almost up to the crossroads before stopping, and they were only a very short distance from where the rebels were behind the wall at the crossroads. Stray bullets were reaching the hill on which we were, and one of them nearly got me. We could see the police jumping up and running to new positions along the road. When the firing died down and it was apparent that the battle was over, I went back to the scene. Someone asked me to clear the dead men away. I got a horse and cart and proceeded up the road. Tom Ash and his men were at the crossroads. They were very excited after their victory and were cheering, as men would do after a football match. I told Ash what I was going to do and he told me to go ahead. Two of the policemen, who had not been wounded, helped me to load their dead colleagues into the cart. I had eight dead men in the cart when I'd finished, two of them civilians. The bodies of the county inspector of police and the district inspector had been taken away before I got on the scene and the wounded men were also taken away. The police had 27 casualties all told. Sergeant Shanaher had been stationed in Ashburn some years previous to this and a right bad one he was. He would know the country road around Ashburn well and as such he was in one of the leading cars. 
he was shot right between the eyes as he left the car and slumped on the side of the road. The road that evening was a terrible sight with blood and bandages strewn on it. Inspector McCormick of the RIC wanted me to travel with my load of dead men to Slane. I refused to do this. He said he would give me a strong escort and I said, if we met the rebels on the way, what use would your escort be and where would I be? We put the dead men in the wash house at the end of the barracks and the following day coffins arrived for them. They were taken away in a lorry. Tom Ash and his men had left by this time and returned to their camp at Bornstown. When things had quietened down, the surviving police came down to the village and bought themselves some drink and food. They had money as the rebels had not interfered with any of their personal belongings. They were very shaken and were shivering. One of them remarked to me that the rebels were great men and I replied, If you had won, I know what you would do. The surviving police stayed in the barracks that night and the following day they were all taken to Navan. The rebels took their two men that were killed and wounded away with them that evening. Against the backdrop of this victory and the Fingal volunteers' successful week, the grim realities of the Rising's progress in Dublin gradually became apparent. Artillery could be heard all that day and the burning city lit up the sky that night. Saturday was spent lying in wait for further orders, which never arrived. Maintenance was carried out on weapons and guns taken in the raid on the police barracks were divided amongst the men, who now had at least three rifles each. On Sunday morning, volunteers stopped an RIC vehicle. The policemen requested a meeting with the volunteer commander, Thomas Ash, to whom they gave an order of surrender signed by Porrig Pierce. Upon verification of the order, the volunteers were marched to Swords, where they surrendered. For other less well-known stories from this interesting period in Irish history, go to www.storiesfrom1916.com. John Austin's military witness statement was read by Mark Cummins. I'm Owen Cody. Thanks for listening.